Hi everyone, and welcome to another episode of Crimopedia. I'm your host, Allison, and today's episode feels very necessary. I would usually research, write, record, and edit an episode well in advance of its release date because I, like all of you, also have work and school and a life full of responsibilities that I have to attend to. However, I'm writing this episode at the beginning of September and recording it only a few days later for you to hear it at the end of this month because this one feels urgent. The disappearance of Angela Green is a case that is still developing, so I'm going to try my best to give you the most accurate, up-to-date information that I have access to right now. However, please know that this is not at all the end of Angela's story, as I am confident in the enormous potential for this case to be solved. Before I begin, I wanted to shout out the Voices for Justice podcast created and hosted by Sarah Turney, who is just amazing in all of her work. She created a three-part series on this case, so I encourage you to all check that out on Spotify or Apple Podcast. Lastly, make sure that you're subscribed to the Crimopedia podcast wherever you're listening right now, and be sure to follow my Instagram at crimopediapod. I will be anxiously awaiting the day where I can update you all on this case with some good news, so you won't want to miss that. Okay, I think that's all I wanted to say before we get started. So with that, let's jump right in. If you search the internet for Prairie Village, Kansas, United States, you'll see that it's a small city with a population of almost 23,000 people. Don't get offended if this is a large city to you because yes, that is subjective, and I have heard some very opinionated people express their feelings on what defines a city as small. I digress, it's small to me. Prairie Village is a quaint place, neighbors are friendly, houses are charming, and all the people who live there are relatively familiar with each other. It was here in Prairie Village where Angela Green moved to with her husband, Jeff Green, in 1998, only just less than a year after meeting each other in Angela's home country of China. Angela and Jeff apparently hit it off really quickly in their relationship. Jeff met Angela in China while he was there on business. He had been working as a mechanic, but also in sales, and honestly, I'm not sure how his business quarter went, but he certainly felt like he scored with Angela. He was 13 years her senior, and she was an elegant, slim, naturally gorgeous, and effortlessly radiant woman. Despite the language barrier that the couple faced, with Angela speaking primarily Mandarin but having a good grasp on English, the couple were convinced of each other's devotion even well after Jeff had left China to return to the United States. They wrote each other letters to keep in touch while overseas, and like I mentioned, within the year, Angela uprooted her life to go join Jeff in America. Angela Green and her sister Catherine immigrated to the United States and kept in semi-regular contact until Angela's disappearance, but more on that soon. When Angela arrived to the USA, she was working in insurance briefly, but before long she would become pregnant with her and Jeff's only child together, a beautiful daughter named Ellie. Angela took this opportunity to embrace stay-at-home motherhood, and Ellie became Angela's pride and joy, her most amazing accomplishment, and the element of her life that she would devote all of her energy to. 
This was especially evident when you consider that Angela, once she came to the United States, was a bit more socially isolated than perhaps what she was used to back at home. Neighbors, as they typically are in Prairie Village, were friendly and nice to Angela, and she was friendly and nice back. They noted her love for gardening and pride for her lawn, but nobody was ever really particularly close to Angela. Angela wasn't working, she didn't really have a circle of friends, she didn't drive on her own, and she didn't use any social media platforms really, and she was limited by that language barrier that, albeit, was fading over time with exposure to American slang and cultural assimilation, but you know, it was something that Angela was apparently still a little bit insecure about. Angela also didn't manage her own bank account, so you can imagine that her freedoms, both financially and socially, were limited outside of her home. But Angela had lots to keep her occupied with Ellie, and she didn't seem to mind that at all. Angela's most favorite role in life was being Ellie's mother, evidence provided for in the form of very attentive parenting, a little bit strict but out of genuine love and concern, and just pure enthusiasm for Ellie's growth into a young adult. Angela would put handwritten notes in Ellie's lunchboxes every day, reminding her of how much she was loved, and according to Sarah Turney from the Voices for Justice podcast, Angela would pick out numerous Christmas outfits for Ellie as a child and just doted on her. Like I mentioned briefly, Angela was a bit strict with Ellie, but Ellie knew it was all out of love, and Angela's strict parental nature did pay off in some respects. Ellie would graduate as valedictorian of her high school and was awarded scholarships to the University of Kansas, as well as the opportunity to study abroad in Italy. It was over time, an amalgamation of years, that would transform Angela and Jeff's marriage from a love marriage to more of a transactional one, business-like, without much affection. The two even slept in separate bedrooms. But the mutual love that the two had for Ellie never wavered. I think it was along this same timeline with the breakdown of the love in Jeff and Angela's marriage that over time, people also began to wonder if Angela could have possibly been depressed. It's been reported that she would keep the home dark while Jeff was at work and Ellie was at school, with the curtains drawn. Her sister, Catherine, reported that Angela had began demanding to only speak in English whenever they spoke. A source I read discussed how Catherine wasn't sure if Angela was just trying to force herself to get better with speaking English, or if there was something deeper going on. Could it have been that Angela's social isolation was finally getting to her? Or could it have been pressure from Jeff? Because truthfully, as Ellie got older, she became sort of a moderator between her two parents, and I'm sure it wasn't easy for anyone in the house to communicate. But speculating about Angela's mental wellness around this time is just exactly that, speculating. Although things were tense in the home and it was obvious that something was off, it's hard to say whether or not Angela was depressed. But I think the argument that Angela was struggling to some degree with her mental wellness does have some validity, and it is exacerbated by the fact that after Ellie left for her international study program in Italy, Angela began struggling to let go of objects. Some might call this the beginning stages of hoarding. And it's hard to say what Jeff was doing around this time, if he was being supportive of his wife, or if he just let her do whatever she needed to do to cope however she needed to. Again, Sarah Turney from the Voices for Justice podcast talks about this fact much more thoroughly than myself and even invited clinical psychologist Dr. Scott from the LA Not So Confidential podcast to speak on it. 
Whether or not it's appropriate to say that Angela Green was depressed or was beginning to engage in hoarding to cope with her depression, whatever she was feeling, other people did notice that her behavior was out of the norm. Ellie had also reported that her and her mother would bicker at times, not necessarily anything out of the ordinary of a typical mother-daughter dynamic for the most part. But in alignment with Angela's odd behaviors, on June 20th of 2019, things escalated between them. Now, Sarah Turney makes a great point about this argument. Yes, it's important to highlight the details of Angela's personal relationships with her family since those were really her only acquaintances because she didn't have any friends, and now she is missing. However, Ellie, in order to advocate for her mom's justice, has done countless interviews with Dr. Phil, various podcasts, and various other news outlets describing the details of this June 20th argument. I'm going to come right out and tell you that this argument is the last interaction that Ellie would ever have with her mother before she disappeared, and I cannot imagine how hard it has been for Ellie to relive that truth every day, let alone be open enough about it and accept the potential judgment that may come her way for the sake of transparency. I'm going to be transparent with you too. This argument between Ellie and Angela, which you can read about and hear Ellie talk about in countless interviews if you're interested, that will be linked on my website. This argument was nothing out of the ordinary to me and honestly, I've had this same fight with my own mom a time or two or three. <laughs> Ellie had just come back from Italy and Angela was likely still recoiling over the loss of such a central figure in her life. And tensions became high as they discussed Ellie's new responsibilities as a young adult. The difference though between this fight and any other, which is potentially another indicator as to how Angela was feeling around this time, was that for the first time ever, Angela actually kicked Ellie out of their home at the 7600 block of Tomahawk Road in Prairie Village. Now, Ellie maintains that despite this fact being for sure out of the ordinary, she had never been kicked out before, she didn't consider this fight to be irreconcilable. She thought her and her mother would be fine after some time apart, and so she just grabbed some of her belongings and went to stay with her boyfriend Zach and his family. Ellie expected things to return to normal possibly after a day or two. But instead of a reconciliation phone call from her mom, Ellie got an odd text from her dad after not hearing from her mom for three days. Seemingly out of the blue, Jeff Green told Ellie that her mom, Angela, had been involuntarily committed to a psychiatric hospital due to the concerning nature of her mental state, which is something that he had threatened to do before but had never done. He told Ellie that hospital staff met him and Angela in a grocery store parking lot to involuntarily take her into some vehicle and bring her to a hospital. He said he organized it this way because she was dressed nicely to go out and she wouldn't be embarrassed by staff coming into their home if it wasn't tidy. Jeff wouldn't disclose any information about the hospital with which Angela was being taken to and only said that it was quote unquote down south and he told Ellie that she would be informed of her mother's condition when he had more information. Most importantly, he said, don't inform Angela's family of anything that is happening. Jeff did not provide Ellie with any other information regarding Angela's condition, prognosis, or her whereabouts. 
According to a Facebook page run by Angela's niece, Michelle Guo, Ellie's boyfriend's family even asked if they could visit Angela, to which that request was just kind of ignored by Jeff. And I mean, Ellie was shocked and confused, but not necessarily outright suspicious just yet, because why would her own dad make something like this up? Everything would be fine, right? I mean, her mom was acting kind of odd and did kick her out of the house for the first time ever, which was super weird. So she believed that when her dad knew more about her mom's condition, then so would she. Ellie would spend the next three weeks trying to keep her concerns about her mother at bay while she went along with her daily routine. Ellie would try to pester her dad for more information, but she noticed that when she would try to get information about her mother out of him, he would just shut down emotionally, and she thought it was just his way of coping. Obviously, a big family event like this is going to be difficult on everybody, and so Ellie took it for what it was and tried not to bother him. But it was approximately three weeks after the initial incident on July 16th of 2019 when Ellie finally asked her father once again, where is mom? It was on this day when Jeff Green pulled up to Ellie's boyfriend's house and told Ellie, Zach, her boyfriend, and Zach's family that Angela actually wasn't in the psychiatric hospital anymore. Not because she was discharged, but because Angela had suddenly died of a stroke while in hospital. and again, there were no details. At this point, Ellie still didn't even know the name of the hospital that her mom was taken to. She didn't know when this happened, what day, how did this happen, what happened leading up to this, where is she now, how did he find out? But despite being pressed, as you can imagine, Jeff divulged no further information about Angela's whereabouts or supposed death in hospital and only echoed the same request as he did weeks before. Just don't tell Angela's family. With her entire world turned upside down in an instant, a very confused and disturbed Ellie was only left to wonder and wait while living in her worst nightmare. Ellie was quoted in an interview saying that when Jeff told her that her mom had died, she just fell to her knees with grief. There was nothing that she could even do in that moment other than to just break. And now, Ellie thought she would be waiting for a funeral, waiting for a visitation, a service, an obituary in the newspaper, waiting for a cremation or a burial. And oddly enough, cremations, burials, visitations were all things that would never actually happen. And nobody would tell Angela's family either. Now, despite what may seem to us like very obviously odd behavior on Jeff's part to us listeners now, when this was all happening, Ellie and her boyfriend Zach and his family had no reason not to believe Jeff and his version of events. The impression that I get about Jeff Green is that he's a bit odd, and at a dinner organized by Zach's parents the day after the news broke about Angela, he was also being kind of odd. I guess they just attributed his oddness to his relative overall demeanor, maybe the grief of losing his wife, and possibly just the strange and sudden circumstances with which it happened. But over time, they began to realize that an odd demeanor doesn't account for a lack of disclosure about the circumstances of Angela's death. Mind you, at this point, they still had no idea what was going on. All they knew was that she died. 
Over time, Ellie kept pressing her dad. However, she maintains that once again, every time she brought up the circumstances of her mom's disappearance and death, he would just brush her off and shut down emotionally. If you put yourself in Ellie's shoes at this time, it's kind of easy to see why maybe she gave her father the benefit of the doubt at first. She had apparently just lost her mom, and now her dad was acting all weird and not telling her what was going on. I think understandably in the thick of it all, in the same way that Sarah Turney from the Voices for Justice podcast talks about, like most others at this time, people just assumed Jeff was grieving in a super weird way. But with more time passing came increasing suspicion and concern and Ellie eventually would take it upon herself to reach out to Angela's family to confide in them about her mother's death. Again, something she was explicitly told not to do. But she was also not getting any answers from her father, and something seemed off, but she couldn't quite put her finger on it. So on February 13th of 2020, eight months after last seeing her mother alive, Ellie reached out to her aunt Catherine, who was living in New York State, to tell her what happened to Angela. In what was, I can only assume to be, a very intense and emotional phone call, Ellie told Catherine that Angela Green had died on July 16th the year prior. And obviously, it didn't take very long for suspicions to arise on Catherine's part. Catherine had actually tried to reach out to her sister Angela over the span of time since her alleged death and received no response. At the time, she didn't find it to be odd, but now it was all making sense in the worst way. Unbeknownst to Catherine, Jeff had actually been receiving those calls to Angela and listening to any voicemails that had been left, as he had taken over her number and cell phone plan after her alleged death and abandoned his own, yet was choosing not to return any of those calls. Some interesting information that Sarah Turney gathered, likely straight from Ellie, is that Catherine's own children, who would be Angela's nieces, one a doctor and the other a lawyer, immediately grew weary at Jeff's story of events. And let me interject here by clarifying that the state of Kansas does have laws regarding involuntary psychiatric commitment, but do those regulations involve tactical takedowns of individuals in public settings such as grocery store parking lots? No, they don't. And so it wasn't long after their interactions where Ellie was asked by them to try and get her hands on a death certificate for her mother, something Ellie had not done yet, but a piece of information that would confirm to them unequivocally that Angela Green has or has not died, because clearly they couldn't trust what Jeff was saying. Ellie asked her father for a copy of her mother's death certificate and was told that there was a copy back at Jeff's house and he would send a photo. But Jeff Green would never send a copy of the death certificate to Ellie. After realizing that she wasn't going to get anywhere with her father, Ellie then went to the Kansas Department of Health and the Environment in Topeka and asked them for a copy. However, the department had no record of Angela's death and were unable to verify proof of death despite a nationwide database search. The only certificate that could be located and verified was the marriage certificate for Jeff and Angela's wedding about 20 years earlier. As well, nobody could find Angela's cremated remains, something Jeff had claimed to Ellie to have done through some vague independent organization, which he of course paid for in cash, with the ashes delivered to the home, seemingly having him as far removed from the process as possible, completely unaware of which organization or business or individual was even taking care of his wife's arrangements. 
Ellie challenged these claims during a recorded phone call because, let's face it, who the hell do you know that pays for a cremation in cash, approximately $1,500, to an organization that you can't even name, who then apparently is going to hand deliver the ashes to your front door? Jeff's only reply to Ellie pointing out how freaking weird this whole situation was, was that quote, It seems unusual much later looking back on it, but at the time it did not seem odd because I'd never done it before, unquote. The next step for Ellie and her family was for Catherine's two daughters to take charge and ask for Prairie Village police to conduct a welfare check at the home where Angela was last seen, which happened on February 17th of 2020. If you didn't think that this could get any worse, when police arrived at the home, Jeff Green told them that Angela in fact was not dead, but that she just ran away with some friends. Obviously, Ellie and the rest of Angela's family was very shocked and confused and immediately wanted to file a missing persons report because what the hell? This story was brand new information to them and up until this very moment, what Jeff had been telling them was that Angela died in hospital. Obviously, this version of events was a stark contradiction to the version told beforehand. And it was after this when Ellie realized that she could not confirm her mother's whereabouts or that she was even dead at all, and she could not trust her father. So she made the impossible decision to go against her father once again and file a missing persons report three days later on February 20th of 2020. According to the Voices for Justice podcast, the only reason the three days elapsed between the initial police visit to the home and the missing persons report being filed was because, according to Jeff, the story police got was that she wasn't in danger, she'd just run away. So police wouldn't take a missing persons report until three days later. And I guess in the grand scheme of things, three days didn't really make a difference because at this point, it had been an entire eight months after Jeff Green claimed that his wife Angela was committed to a psychiatric hospital. Eight months since Angela Green had last been seen alive. And it was at this point that Ellie began to record phone conversations with her father once his version of events began to change. It was during one of these confrontational phone calls that occurred that Jeff finally admitted that he did make up the story about Angela's psychiatric institutionalization and death. A quote from Heavy.com has Jeff stating, quote, I didn't want you to think she had run off with some stranger or something. The truth is, she kind of disappeared. Michelle Guo, again one of Angela's nieces, who has been very vocal and active in her aunt's disappearance, said that Angela would absolutely never abandon her family like this, and who would she even go with? If you remember, Angela's social circle was minuscule at best. Ellie was her entire life. Michelle, in another interview, stated that if Angela did run away with friends, she would have reached out by now. And Angela certainly isn't back in China with family, which is another theory that's been posed to explain her disappearance, as Angela's family has all now been informed of what was happening and they can confirm that she's not with them. Not to mention that Angela left behind her passport. Prairie Village Police Department's Detective Sergeant Adam Taylor has stated publicly what we're all thinking right now, and it's that his investigative team has received various conflicting pieces of information about Angela's potential whereabouts, which I don't need to say this, but it's pretty evident by the ever-changing story coming from Jeff Green. Unfortunately, however, nothing has led police to pursue criminal charges in her case, and Jeff adamantly denies involvement with Angela's disappearance. 
Police are still investigating, however, but they have admitted that the case is starting to go dormant. I did briefly mention earlier a search warrant that was executed on the family home in early 2020, but this was actually one of three that were executed temporally. As of January of this year in 2021, the latest source that I was able to find stated that the second search warrant was executed on a property that Jeff uses to store vintage cars at the 1400 block of Woodland Street in Olathe, Kansas. The third search was done at a property purchased by Jeff in Lawrence, Kansas in November of 2019, approximately five months after Angela went missing. According to Ellie, her father had spent a bunch of money and time doing construction and remodeling of this property after he purchased it in November of 2019. But this search happened much after the initial two did because it was apparently hard to sign off on a search warrant for a property that had been purchased well after the disappearance of Angela. And that is, I suppose, understandable considering Jeff Green has not been named a suspect in this case. If he was, however, I'm sure the search would have been served a lot sooner, but it wasn't, and if there was any evidence at any point on that property that could have led investigators to Angela's whereabouts, it's unclear whether or not they were able to collect it, considering this search happened so much after the first two, and even the first two happened so much after Angela went missing, a full eight months. What police did find, however, during one of these search warrants was that Jeff Green purchased an urn that would remain empty on his credit card only one day after he had the confrontational phone call with Ellie where she challenged his claims about getting her cremated. Which we now know was a lie, and he was evidently trying to cover it up. Detective Sergeant Taylor says that Prairie Village police are working with the FBI and the Kansas Bureau and are apparently just waiting on results. But what those results are, we don't know. Could it be forensic evidence that was collected during any of the three searches conducted? No idea. It's really hard to know exactly how this case will unfold because Jeff is unwilling to cooperate with police despite fully admitting to lying about Angela's whereabouts. And apparently, he hasn't spoken with Ellie at all since one of their last confrontational phone calls. He didn't even text her saying happy birthday. But let me make myself clear, Jeff is not considered a suspect in this case, and police even searched Jeff's phone records and did not find anything useful in terms of his whereabouts around the time Angela went missing. But Ellie does maintain that her father would often leave his phone at home when he goes out, so it's hard to say if that even means anything. Either way, he has not been implicated in this case legally, and when analyzing a case like this, we have to go into it with an open mind or else we risk tunnel vision, even though it's pretty obvious that Jeff is acting weird. But we can't discount the possibility that something else could have happened. It's hard because I think the long gap of time between when Angela was last seen versus when she was reported missing doesn't help. BJ Spammer, executive director of operations at NamUs, or the National Missing and Unidentified Persons System, was quoted as saying to the Huffington Post that the first 48 to 72 hours are the most critical after someone disappears, and it's evident as to why. The trail is hot, evidence can still be lying around, and potential witnesses are fresh. What we do know, however, and I think it's pretty obvious, is that Ellie, like most people, doesn't believe her father's version of events to be true. And I think the general consensus is that we can't take what Jeff Green says at face value anymore. Angela Green was 51 years old when she went missing. 
She is 5'9 and weighs approximately 110 to 115 pounds. She left behind her purse, phone, passport, and all of her personal effects. Jeff Green has now hired criminal defense attorney Paul Cram and has refused to make any more statements to any media outlets or police agencies, and will continue to refuse to do so unless he is charged with a crime. His latest version of events, as disclosed to Ellie in one of their last phone calls, was that Angela ran away with a friend after being threatened with involuntary psychiatric commitment. Who that friend is, apparently Jeff doesn't know, of course not. With the two-year anniversary of Angela's disappearance coming and going this summer, Ellie unfortunately does not believe her mother is alive anymore. And anyone with information in this case is encouraged to call the Prairie Village Police Department at 913-642-6868 or contact the Anonymous Crime Stoppers tip line at 816-474-8477. Michelle Guo has said that the family is getting updated by police approximately once a month, but other than that, not much progress has been made in the last few months. However, I am confident that this case will get solved and that Angela will be found. The truth has to come out. Whatever did happen to Angela, the web of stories that has been spun will unravel itself in time. Thank you all once again for listening to another episode of Crimopedia. Please don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already and make sure to follow me on Instagram for more updates on these cases at CrimopediaPod. And a massive shout out to the Voices for Justice podcast. If you are at all interested in this case and how to help Ellie advocate for justice for her mom, I encourage you to check out that podcast. It is beautifully done. Okay, everyone, I think that's all the information I have for you today. Again, I really appreciate all of the consistent listenership, and feel free to reach out to me on any of my platforms if you want to talk about a case or have any suggestions. I'll talk to you all soon. Take care, everybody. Mm-hmm.